Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from blunted blades to blazing blasts. And today, we're covering Blue Dragons. All right, Brian. It's time to talk about my favorite dragon. Your favorite dragon? My favorite dragon. Blue dragon. Super biased. I don't know if Super I can trust biased. you for this episode. I am, I am going to try and keep this as unbiased as possible. Okay. I'm sure a little bit of my biasism is going to like bleed through. Biasism. Bi- is that even a word? Uh, biasness? Bi- biasness? Biasness? Whatever. Biased. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and be unbiased about this, but um, I think I'm going to show everybody just how cool blues are. I think it's are. just your bias. I think so. So, blue dragons. Uh, They're also known as storm dragons, and they are considered to be the second most powerful amongst the major five chromatic dragons. Um, They're in some ways the most vainglorious of all dragons, or of all chromatic dragons, I should say, when it comes to their power and their achievement. Um, Their arrogance is different from reds in kind of a specific way. So, while a a red dragon's arrogance is kind of a entitled arrogance, a more like a I am the best because it is so and everything is mine by right. A blue dragon is more along the lines of a thought process of I am the best because I've proven it. I've taken, I've kept, I've conquered, and now I rule. Challenge me if you will, but you will lose. Oh man. That's the attitude of blue versus a red. Okay. So so yeah, both arrogant but kind of in different ways. The red dragon's like, my truck is bigger than yours, and the blue dragon's like, I built that truck. 
Yeah, that, yeah, very much so. There you go. They both have raised trucks, and they're just going to race them. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so blues have quite a few unique physical characteristics that separate them from other dragons. Um, first, of course, being their blue scales, which range in hue from uh, iridescent azure to deep indigo. Mm-hmm. So it, basically any blue. Someone, any any, any blue. blue. Are you? In, are you? So I always pictured like you know, crayon blue. The color, like just straight yeah, up blue. yeah. Well, I get. I guess and, you know, we don't really talk about this, but like dragons aren't uniformly colored. Like a red dragon, its scales can be any shade of red. Oh, like it's wide and varied, and then it's the same with blues. Like, wide, wide and varied. So it's easier to differentiate them. Very much so. Oh, so yeah. can you get some like if you got a like a purple like a purple dragon is like somewhere in between the red and the blue dragon? Yeah, sure. Is it like that? Or like, well, what do you mean? Do you get some dragons where it's like, I don't know, man, it's he's, he's almost purple. So I mean, purple yeah, I think you would. But again, this is all the dragons have very unique, like physical features outside that of that pair the with color. those. Yeah. OK, yeah, there you go. It's like so, the horns, basically. Exactly. Speaking of which, uh, probably the most the second most prominent feature the blues have is a prominent and massive ridged horn that spikes out of their uh Skull, kind of like a Triceratops, but only one big horn. Just of one big dome piece. Yeah, basically. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, they also have small hornlets that kind of make rows along their brow ridges from nostril to ears. Like Darth Maul. Um, yeah, kind of. Nice. Um, blues have uh, short snouts with uh, underslung uh, lower jaws uh, with clusters of blade-like scales on their chin and on their cheeks. Ooh. Um, they have sharp teeth that protrude from their mouth even when it's closed, much like a crocodile. Okay. You've seen a crocodile just chilling, yeah. and you can see like the teeth kind of hanging over its lips. Yeah, um, blues are like that. Nice. Okay. Um, they're That's scary. Yeah, it is. It is a little bit menacing. Their face is a weapon. Like their whole face. Exactly. Like the top of it, the bottom of it. Yeah. Every every angle. So they could just like ram, like impale you, and then those little horns at the end, they just like rotate their head yeah, back and forth. Very, very yeah. much so. Uh, their ears are dramatically frilled. Um, and its tail, a uh, blue dragon's tails, are notably very thick and blunt. Um, when, when used as a weapon, it's more like a battering ram than like a whip. <laughs> like so. a stubby, like, is it stubby? I'm picturing It's not like, that stubby. Is it like it a tree isn't, trunk? Um, no, it's not like a tree trunk. It's not that thick. It's, um, it's just, it is notably thicker than pretty much any other dragon. Most dragons have very long, thin tails. So this is more like you ripped the tail off of a, a lizard that got away and it grew back. Like Komodo that. dragon. There we go. Have you oh, seen a Komodo yeah. dragon? Okay, it's a lot perfect. like a Komodo dragon's tail. Nice. Almost exactly like that. I got a good visual. So yeah, not okay. like the thing I was thinking. Exactly. Yes. But, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, also, blue dragons have notably short necks. Like uh, like reds have very long necks. So do greens. So do blacks. So so do whites. So yeah, only blues have the short neck. So they're so. drawn like a character in Bob's Burgers? <laughs> I guess so. I guess they're, they're all Bob's Burgers okay. characters. <laughs> Um, blue dragons hides hum and crackle with electricity, and this effect intensifies when a blue is angered or excited, uh, and gives off a very powerful smell of ozone. Oh, that's intense. Yeah. Ozone. Yeah. So ozone is, uh, you ever, you know, like when, when it's cloudy outside and it's uh, like about to rain and you can just kind of tell, you can kind of smell it in the air. You're smelling ozone when that's happening. Oh, that's, that is, um, what's, there's a word for it. Pre, pre, it starts the P. Precipitation? No, no, no. It's the smell before rain. There's, there's a word for it. Well, yeah, okay. It's ozone. I don't, it's ozone, but I don't know the word you're talking about, but I'm sure it exists. It does. Okay. <laughs> Pretend well, I we'll, said it. We'll look it up after the show. Um, <laughs> though their wings are not as large as reds. Again, in the reds episode, we talked about how reds have like the largest wings in relation to their body size. 
um, blue dragon's wings are more pronounced than a red's and are just as wide in relation to their bodies. Furthermore, the wings of a blue are more flexible than any of the other chromatics, um, probably for better maneuverability in their stormy environments. Okay. Um, regardless, blues are the single most skilled flyers of the major five, and between their long-reaching uh, lightning breath and the fact that they also have the keenest eyes of dragonkind, they excel at flying combat and artillery attacks. Damn. That's their specialization. They attack from the sky, and they never leave the fucking sky because why would they <laughs> they're they're on board with yeah they they are the metagaming exactly they are the metagamers <laughs> of the dragon world nice so, so yeah oh yeah one thing i forgot to mention about their scales um not only are they blue and that's unique but uh, blue dragons have a glossiness to their scales almost like glass and it's supposedly from uh having a finer polish from the sands of their chosen territories okay nice um but yeah um, so, fact. so I don't know when this, I've been struggling with bringing this up mm-hmm. because we're doing, you know, individual dragons mm-hmm, and we've mm-hmm. kind of left behind our like group dragon episodes. Yeah. What, what are the, like the, so if you kill a dragon and you loot it, yeah. like, what are you doing? You know, I know they, they, I've, I've seen a looting mm-hmm, in mm-hmm, critical mm-hmm. role or I've, okay. I've listened to a looting. Yeah. Um, sure. like our dragon scales, are they full of like. Are they better for weapons or are they better for armor? Do they house magic power? What's up? I think traditionally uh, dragon scales and dragon hide is used for armor. Okay. Um, There's a lot of magical armor sets that are like specific like dragon sets. Okay. Are they like um, conductive to magic and people enchant them or they do they carry uh, magic inherently? I think that. It's usually the way it's played out is that dragon body parts, if you will, are kind of naturally infused with magic. Dragons yeah, are naturally right. they're magical creatures. Yeah, they're magical creatures. And they're very much infused with magic, much like the unicorn. Big evil unicorn. Um, so, like any dragon body part is going to sell like for high amount of gold on the black market or whatever. Right, like a tooth, well, even. Yeah, for for wizards who want to use them in rituals or spell casting and all that other stuff. Um, when yeah. it comes to finding items, I mean, you could say that a dragon might carry items on them in like um, a like a bag of holding kind of way, like uh, in like a little mini magical portal. And I'm not sure like when a creature dies, what happens to the things it leaves in this little mini dimension? Do they just fall out? I'm not sure. But most items are going to be kept in the horde. Okay. Most dragons aren't like actively using items. Right. In combat. Yeah. This is just how it sucks. Just yeah. dragons with swords. Yeah, dra- like dragons carrying. with swords. <laughs> they're just they're flying and they're carrying swords with their back just legs. Breathing lightning. They're, and- yeah, they're they're swiping with the front. Uh, they're stabbing with the back. Well, it's uh, the the reason that dragons don't use weapons is uh you know they're, they, are they are weapons. <laughs> they are weapons. I don't um, need to carry what I am. Indeed. So unlike the various chromatic cousins of the blues, blue dragons, though evil, lack the cruel and murderous streak in their personality. Rather rather than torture or angrily murder lesser creatures, they're more likely to simply uh, mock them or manipulate them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, usually in a way that shows off their prowess and skill. Uh, they take great pleasure in lording over humanoids just to prove that they can rather than for any desire of act, an actual effect. Are we talking about the broader, when you say humanoid, like the broader scale? Like, are they going to like the troll bridge and being like, I tell better riddles, idiot. <laughs> that would be hilarious. And But I think uh, more along the lines of the civilized races. Okay. Because sure. uh, the thing about dragons is they consider themselves more civilized than the civilized <laughs> races. So like, I don't think a blue would stoop to like making fun of a troll they're like <laughs> sitting outside the senate hall like balcony like nice governing dan good job idiot <laughs> i love that that's great um where was i 
So this isn't to say that blues aren't a bit on the cruel, murderous, and violent side. It's just they're markedly less so than other chromatics, specifically uh, blacks and reds, especially blacks. Blacks are probably the most evil of the chromatic dragons, and they are truly about murder and torture. They're about evil stuff. They're about evil stuff. Whereas well, other dragons are about themselves, yeah. which just kind of falls in line with evil stuff because they're just right. naturally that way. And reds are violent and, and murderous, but that's more because they're angry all the time. Yeah. It's for other reasons. For other Blacks reasons. is for the sake of evil. Yeah, exactly. It's very much true. Um, with blues, it's all about respect and pride. So when other creatures give them due respect to their pride and territory, blues can actually be quite reasonable and at rare times even pleasant. Uh, but they never forget an insult or a slight. Uh, any insinuation of weakness is definitely going to send them into a rage. Um, and it's likely because they have kind of a sore spot for being second best. Yeah. Uh, I think they're, they're really frustrated with that, um, especially because they probably feel like the Reds don't earn it. <laughs> I mean, we're just talking about Vegeta a Versus lot. Goku, yeah. yeah. Vegeta He's been coming up, up like in yeah. a, a, several, several Honestly, episodes. Vegeta comes up a lot in this podcast. I think it's because he's the best Dragon Ball Z character. He's my favorite. So. I mean, we're both fans of the show, but he's yes, he's, I, if I'm going to pick a favorite like main, mm-hmm. like, a, like a, a quote unquote good guy, I guess, mm-hmm. then sure, Vegeta. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, blues are extremely territorialist, um, and, and they're, they're so their territorialism rivals even that of red dragons, which we talked about in the red dragons episode. Uh, they won't fly into a murderous rage over territorial intrusion like a red, but they will attack without uh, explanation uh, pretty oftenly, and they're way more likely to engage in combat with powerful foes over it. Yeah, um, I was th- remember the um, the other chromatic dragons two episode. Mm-hmm. There was the brown and gray. Was the gray the rock one made of stone or whatever? Yeah. yeah. The, like the boxer dragon. Yeah, the boxer dragon. Yeah, I, I pictured them toe to toe with a blue for sure. Like, yeah, and the I would brown say one's that. a sand one, right? Um, yeah, brown one's a sand one. Yeah, and so they're like vying for similar territories. I think cliffside. Well, that's blues, we'll, we'll right? Get, we'll get into the territories a little bit later because there's some discrepancy there. Okay, but uh, but yeah, blues are known to be in deserts, and I think a blue would knock the shit out of a brown dragon. Just like pluck yeah. it out of the ground. Yeah, and- just. Out of my desert. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> <Carry it>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, yeah, I think both those dragons are at a huge disadvantage because both those dragons are very landlocked mm-hmm. and blues never land. Yeah. So one's yeah. immune to electricity, though. Well, yeah. According to Pokemon rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where was I? Oh, yeah. So uh, blue dragons are way more likely to engage with uh, powerful foes over territory ju- just because they're, they're kind of the bravest of chromatics. And this is this makes sense because, like, their entire pride depends on them proving their superiority. So if they back down, like, they are by default not superior. Okay, and sure. They're, they're not about that. All right. So that being said, uh, blues are not overly aggressive in combat. Uh, it's kind of like what I was saying. They like to stay in the sky. In the sky. Um, but instead, they're patient and methodical killers, striking on their own terms, usually uh, via ambush with like volleys of lightning out of the sky, oh, wow. soaring out of reach. Yes. Um, they wear down their foes by extending combat over hours or even days. They're, mm. they're not in a hurry. They're just like, we'll do this all day. I don't care. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it's doing a th- the Pikachu's thunder attack. It's like going yeah. and bear hugging you and yeah. then just letting itself get struck by lightning. <laughs> exactly. It's terrifying. It I-, I pictured that when you talked about like 
if it rolls up on you and your party in a storm Mm -hmm. and like the first thing you see is it like shamble over the cliff and look at you and then Mm -hmm. it gets struck by fucking lightning Mm -hmm. epic Mm -hmm. that'd be really great way to start a fight yeah auto recharge you know it's it's lightning breath in the lightning storm that i like that idea that's a good idea that's really cool. I'm sorry. I'm almost sorry I said it since you dungeon master for me. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, you, the way dragons work in my game is very, very different okay. than uh, the vanilla lore. But back to blue. So blue dragons have a proclivity for the commanding of others. Uh, they get a sense of deep enjoyment from doing so. Part of this is fr- part of this is from the exercise in their superiority, like ordering people around. Mm-hmm. Part is from the satisfaction of accomplishing something without any personal effort of their own. Okay, so it's just a little laziness. Um, and part is from their unusual, lawful, and orderly mind that they possess compared to other uh, chromatics. They're the only one of the major five that are lawful evil. All the rest of the chromatics are chaotic evil. Okay. Um, and they're just, they're a very organized and orderly kind of creature. So this organized way of like ordering people around to do stuff uh, just really appeals to them. Nice. Yeah. So blues uh, value and cover loyalty and talented minions and servants. Uh, Bards, sages, wizards, assassins are all valuable agents to a blue dragon. Uh, Some blues go uh, even go as far as maintaining peaceful associations with humanoid settlements in their territories. Okay. Um, Yeah. So calling on them for loyal service and tribute in exchange for reliable and powerful protection. So they'll straight up protect the people in their territory because they see them as theirs. Yeah. And, an extension of an myself. An extension of themselves. Yeah. Thus, they shall be like, don't you fuck with my humans because they're my humans. Only I eat my humans. And then after the conflict <laughs> is over, they look at those humans like, you better fucking stay out of here. This is the <laughs> last time I tell you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a silver dragon. Like mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. silver. I, I can see a silver dragon operating in really similar ways, you know, uh, becoming a human and like starting a business and like having a bunch of workers in their right. employ. Yeah, I can see but, that. But you know, for, sure. for good. And this right. is like the other side of, of this. Right, right. Uh, although blues and silvers are natural enemies, um, there are some Dragonlance novels where they work in tandem. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they're very efficient. Um, it's, it's more, uh, I, I guess, spoilers for Dragonlance. They're just, there's a scene. Hang on. Okay, now. Okay, there's a scene in uh, Dragons of Summer Flame where, like, everything's going to shit and Chaos the Father of All and nothing is fucking everything up. And <laughs> okay. all, basically, it's like the, the Everything la- Dad? The, the Everything Dad. It's <laughs> just fucking everything up. And the last alliance of resistance is basically a bunch of silvers and a bunch of blues uh, with their riders, who are like the Knights of Tachesis and the Knights of Paladine, uh, just kind of riding into the abyss to fight Chaos. Nice. And what's really cool about it is that. The blues are the only chromatics who fucking stay. Everyone else ducks out. Like, uh, Takesis, who's basically team at, she just flees. All her children, they all flee. But the blues are like, fuck this. We're staying. Like, we're fighting this motherfucker. And they do <laughs> oh, it. Oh, man. And I think that's probably why blues are my favorite, because of that that book. But yeah. So, yeah. Blues and silvers do work in tandem. I've seen it happen. Cool. <laughs> so, um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, kind of on the, uh, the relationship between blues and the people in their territory. Um, it's a beneficial but perverse kind of relationship where the blue views the people as valuable objects in their ownership. Well, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's enslavement. It's yeah, it's, yeah, it's essentially <laughs> enslavement. Although it's like he doesn't usually like a blue doesn't usually make them do anything. It just like in its mind it could if it wants. It's to. mild subjugation. <laughs> it's mild subjugation. It's just like I I would tell you what to do if it mattered. 
Right. So blues kind of really walk this line between lawful evil and lawful neutral. Um, they lack the hatred and cruelty of blacks, the anger of reds, and the ambition of greens. Okay. Yeah. So huh. if they if they had any of those qualities, they'd just be straight up lawful evil. Yeah. Um, their lawful nature, nature also extends even beyond their own personal bubble and into the hierarchical society that makes up the blue dragon community. But we'll talk about that after the short rest. Okay. All right. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the episode we're not talking about the last thing we're talking about. Pop quiz, Well, what the f- are we talking about? Our love. For the audience. Great answer. Yeah. Well, it's the right answer. It's the right answer. (laughs) It's a great answer. Um, We like what you're doing, which is listening to the show. We want to say thank you for that. Thank you. Um, People that are patrons of the show via our Patreon. We like what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Let me thank a few of those those people personally. And specifically. And specifically (laughs) by their name, they put on their Patreon patronship. Yeah, their patron name. Patronage. I'm getting it. You got to pull up the list. Be patient with me, Well. (laughs) Uh, thank you, Jericho Gabriel Torres. Thank you, Jericho. Thank you, Casimir the Bard. Thank you, Casimir the Bard. Thank you, Brad Durfee. Thanks, Brad. Uh, thank you, a slacker named Jake. 
Jack. Shit. <laughs> thank you, a slacker named Jack. Thank you, a slacker named Jack. Uh, thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. Not spelled like a Aaron. Uh, okay. <laughs> Just Aaron. Thank you, uh, Armin Dunbar. Thanks, Armin. Uh, thank you, Sam Daly. Thanks, Sam. Scrolling. Oh, oh man. man. It's our birthday. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Um, we're, we're even, oh, there's Sam. Okay. Uh, thank you, Brandon Jackson. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you, Adam Edelin. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Garrett Edison. Thanks, Garrett. Uh, I'd, uh, Garrett Eidson? It's E-I-D-S-O-N. I can't see. Eidson? It's too far from me. It's E-I-D-S-O-N. Eidson. Eidson. Thank you. Uh, crap. Thank you, Garrett Eidson. Oh, wait. You already said. Yeah, yeah. You already said Garrett. Oh. Uh, thank <laughs> Thank you, Jake. It's just a list, man. Just read the list. <laughs> ah, stop pressuring me. Thank you, Jake Gerhardt. Gerhardt. Thanks, Jake. Um, uh, thank you, Gato del Agua. Thanks, Gato. I think that means water cat. Oh. Yeah, I think it does. I, <laughs> cat of the water. Thank you, Daniel Shane. Thanks, Daniel. Um, did, that's everybody. Did you skip Jason there? I see a Jason. You didn't say Jason. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. <laughs> You're right. There was Jason there. It's just Jason. I like the single names that mm-hmm. are easy to say. Indeed. Um, Even though you skipped them. God, I'm so bad at this. Sorry for being so bad at this. Um, <clears throat> I just, I'm paranoid that I'm saying it wrong. I'm almost positive I'm saying it wrong. Sorry about saying it wrong. Um, it, FBATS is coming back. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. So, this is news to me. Yeah, so. this is. Uh, I just remembered it. I was oh, like, no, oh, this is good. Yeah, that's a Patreon thing. So, yeah. so everybody, we took a little break, and we did record a couple things in the break, but now we're getting back to our normal normal ish schedule. Awesome. So, FBATS is on his way back. Uh, so, everybody that's in the ten dollars tier, uh, you seem to like it. We appreciate mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. It's a really so, good show. So, thanks a lot. Um, let's talk about. Our regular live game actual play. <laughs> the I one that's not on Patreon. The one that's not on Patreon. The one that you, anybody can go see. Indeed. At our YouTube channel. Um, it's called Super Quest Saga. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Super Quest Saga. And it's, it's a also, sci-fi game. And it's also a podcast now. So we'll, we'll go ahead and put the link in the description. So if you're interested in seeing us here at the Dungeon Cast playing uh, D&D, um, but you're not willing to look at our ugly mugs on YouTube, you don't have to anymore. You can just click the podcast link below and listen to us in your earbuds. Well, I think we, you said if you're willing to see us, then they can just go to YouTube. But yeah, if, if you're, you're willing not to willing to see us, but you still want to experience it, you can listen to it. <laughs> exactly. On, on podcast catchers of all, all types, all shapes and sizes. Indeed. So we're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud, we're on any uh, podcast app you can find. Just look up SuperQuest Saga. And yeah, it's a cyberpunk game uh, set in space, set in like a futuristic space fantasy environment and yeah it's a lot of fun the story's getting really uh really crazy at this point yeah we started adding some music and sound effects to the more critical parts of the adventure um (laughs) so that's been really fun um and yeah i think that's uh i think that's a wrap uh let's Let's get get back back to the the show (laughs) and we're back look around tell me what you see um what do I see? We've returned. Indeed, we have. <laughs> and uh, we're back talking about Blue Dragons. So I was talking about how they have a hierarchical society. So with their highly developed sense of order, uh, paired with their pride and achievement based off of merit, Blue Dragons have developed a strictly hierarchical society. Um, it's like the Boy Scouts of America where they collect badges. <laughs> I guess so. Sure. The Ate o- my first livestock batch. Right. <laughs> the, uh, the, badge. O- the oldest and strongest blue dragon in any given area acts as an overlord to all the other lesser blue dragons. 
uh, within a certain range. This overlord is called the Suzerain. And the Suzerain is paid homage by all other blues and is in charge of settling any disputes between subject blue dragons, whether it be concerning territorial disputes or other issues. Uh, any blue dragon is free to challenge the suzerain for right to rule, but this is rare. A suzerain is suzerain for a reason, and blues are usually very well aware of the power and achievements of their suzerain. I like the flip on that, where it's like, um, you—they're really bad at it, and so that's con- they're constantly being challenged, and there's constantly a new one. Oh gosh, is that, <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be super rare, but oh, okay. I, I kind of like that idea too. That that's kind of fun. Um, but yeah, no, it's usually really rare. If a blue's unhappy uh, in the rulership of their suzerain, they usually just leave, <laughs> go to a different area. What's suzerain? Is that like a um, is that like dragon it, speak? No, it's uh, as, it's an actual word. I think it just means monarch. I'll have to look it up again because oh. I, I ended up looking up, but it just means it's like a, it's a like, monarch or a ruler. Okay. Um, it's like czar or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Except for czar is, I think, Russian for king, but it's also Russian for Caesar. Something like that. Yeah. Which. He was a tyrant. Can we just call him Papa Blue? Papa Blue. Big Papa Blue. (laughs) Papa Blue. (laughs) So (laughs) This guy's coming over to my land, Papa. (laughs) Right. So even courtship between blue dragons is an orderly affair. Uh, It's an elaborate ritual involving the exchanging of food and treasure, the consent of the suzerain, and and then an official announcement to the blue dragon community as a whole. Damn, okay. So it's like a very organized affair. Uh, When a mating pair has offspring, blues are noted to be attentive and effective parents, if not very affectionate. Um, this is a marked difference from other chromatics who are very piss poor parents. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. They're like cultivating their children to yeah, be. Yeah, because they want their children to exceed because as narcissistic dragons, their children are an extension of themselves. Right. Okay. So that makes total sense. Yeah. Can't put a ring on it unless you ask Papa Blue. Can't, have, can't nope. have little love babies. If unless you, you ask Papa Blue. Unless you ask Papa Blue. <laughs> so there are two different takes on the chosen habitat of blue dragons. Um, the 4E version and every other edition's version. Which okay. Is very common. Yes. Forey posits that blues prefer coastal areas, seaside cliffs, and mountainous highlands near the sea. Every other version describes blue dragons as desert dwellers. Uh, the only commonality between these two versions is that blues prefer weather that is stormy, windy, thunderous, and electric. Yeah, <laughs> sure. If you will. Lightning. Lightning brings them great pleasure, basically. <laughs> it makes sense. Gross. I didn't know it was a kink. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, I actually prefer the 4E version myself. Um, it, for me, it just fits better. Storms in the sea kind of go together. Blue in the ocean. I mean, the, the um, beach is a lot more like the desert than most people think. I yeah, would. I mean, I, I see, you know, they both have sand, so there's that. Yeah, you'll yeah. die in both places in similar fashion. Yeah, it's very true. Um, I mean, why not have both? I'm a little girl. Yeah, from the uh, basically, that's what I was getting to. I yeah. kind of in my in my world, I make it both. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. regionally, that seems acceptable to me. Like. If there's a desert, then it's in the desert. If it's the beach, then there might right. be one there. Right. Um, and I was going to say, is the, um, what, what was the name of Papa Blue? <laughs> now I just want to call him Papa Blue. The Suzerain. The Suzerain. Is the Suzerain uh, like <clears throat> in charge of a, a finite number or territory? Or is it just all the blue dragons are coming to the Suzerain? Like you got to fucking. Like- it's within a certain range, not a defined one. But I would imagine like a Suzerain probably rules. I don't know, the size of a small country. Okay, so there's multiple suzerains. Oh, yeah, there's multiple suzerains. If you got an area that's very, very big and there's like one blue dragon in it, it's just like, I am the suzerain. By default. I must ask myself if I can loot (laughs) this village or what have you. (laughs) I will allow it. You know what? I think I'm gonna. (laughs) 
It's sure. all fat. It can't control itself because it always tells itself yes. It always tells itself yes. I could see that for <laughs> sure. Um, back to the regionality and their terrain. Um, that being said, there is a scant amount of lore of 4E blue dragon layers, like when it comes to their beach layers. So we're going to focus more on the desert versions oh, for the rest well, of the Well, I'll episode. tell you, it's like a little hut. It's got a little straw yeah, sure. roof. Absolutely. <laughs> Just chilling in Hawaii. Uh-huh. Uh, most blue dragons are native uh, to arid wastelands and deserts. They make their layers in underground caves beneath the desert sands. Uh, they have the ability to burrow through the sand with ease. Kind of like a guard chomp, I guess. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, often when choosing a lair location, a blue will take into account any nearby water sources with an underground oasis being like the pinnacle of an ideal location Ooh, yes when it comes to food blue dragons are primarily carnivores with a favorite taste for herd animals they actually uh prefer to cook their meat with their lightning breath oh man <laughs> uh, rather rather than eat it raw um they they call it being lightly kissed by lightning Ooh. just lightly charred but not cooked all the way through i guess <laughs> seems okay yeah, whatever. Let's so, open up a, a D&D restaurant where that we're base one of our cooking techniques off of that. Kissed by lightning. Kissed by lightning steak. <laughs> Do you like your steak kissed by lightning today, sir? Their preferred uh, food makes them a grave threat to nomadic tribes dependent on shepherding or caravans with like camels and horses and whatnot. Um, yeah, they terrorize those. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So though blues don't have a preferred taste for humanoid flesh, they are not opposed to it either. They, they will eat humanoids or reptiles for lack of other meat to eat. Uh, and they'll even go as far as eating cacti and particularly scarce types. Oh, okay. They'll eat whatever if they have to. <laughs> they have to. Mm-hmm. Well, they're in the desert. Their resources are going to be limited at times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unless they live at the beach like a smart blue would. Yeah. So when it comes to their hoard, uh, blues prize collecting jewels and jewelry above all other valuables. Um and above all other jewels and jewelry, sapphires above all else. Nice. Um, they also have an the blue affi- one. Hmm? The blue one. Oh yeah, the yeah. blue one. They also have an affinity for visually beautiful artwork. Ooh, okay. So they, they have an eye for good art. They're gonna see your Thomas Kincaid and be like, "Well, you have to die. I'm gonna <laughs> need this off your wall." Okay, thanks. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the life cycle of blue dragons. Blue dragon eggs incubate for approximately 20 months, uh, and usually in batches of two to four. Uh, for the first seven years of their lives, they're considered wormlings and are watched over at all times by at least one parent. After this, they enter their young stage and are pushed to live independently. It's like, okay. all right, you're eight years old. Get the fuck out. Well, you can hang at that point. Yeah, you point. can hang. At the, yeah, absolutely. They're just trying to get you to where you can hang. Yeah. At 160 years, they finally become adults. At uh, 1,000 years, they're considered elder. And at 1,800 years, they're considered ancient. God, that uh, first, like, that coming of age birthday. I know. 160 <laughs> years. That's a big cake, man. <laughs> Indeed it is. Uh, 2,300 is the average blue lifespan. Okay. That's like the upper echelon limit that's pretty high oh yeah i mean they're dragons <laughs> well isn't it high for dragons or is that no, like normal i for mean dragons? that's i mean for blues it's i mean okay so reds i think their their upper echelon is like 25 to 28 oh okay so, so and they then actually blues are like 23 yeah it's the power scaling thing oh, you okay. live longer the more powerful you are i guess yeah what that's how it works in real life i guess so <laughs> <laughs> uh when an ancient blue dies it environmentally diffuses creating a permanent storm in its region Although, oh. the, yeah, although the wind rate and the rainfall rises and falls in severity, it never truly stops. That's a, if you're like a farming town and there's a drought, maybe oh, yeah. you're trying to look to kill a blue dragon yeah, above maybe, your house. Maybe. <laughs> You'd be the <laughs> could, best farmer in town. Could you do me a favor and die right over here? <laughs> oh, dude, you're dying. Can I move you to my yeah, house? Seriously. <laughs> seriously. Um, so any questions about blue dragons before we get into their regional effects and their layer actions? I want to know more about the layer. Sounds cool. 
Okay. Well, first regional effects, and then we'll get to the layer actions. Okay. Um, so, uh, the region containing a legendary uh, blue dragon's lair is warped by the dragon's magic, which creates one or more of the following effects. Thunderstorms rage within six miles of lair. That's a pretty good indicator. You might have a blue dragon. Yeah. It's, it, you, can, you become that scene in Breath of the Wild where, like, the lightning storm's coming, and you gotta yeah. drop your gear. Right, right, Or, like, exactly. change out to your wooden stick or whatever. Very, very much so. <laughs> uh, dust devils scour the land within six miles of lair. A dust devil has the statistics of an air elemental, but it can't fly. It has a speed of 50 feet and has an intelligence and charisma of one. Okay, so it's a it's a technically a creature. It's uh yeah, it's technically it's an elemental. Okay, being caused by the magical presence of a dragon, but so, it's like not quite. It's not quite like a real elemental. Yeah, like a well, quasi like when you elemental. say dust devil, that's just like a Nate. That's like a yeah. I'm not talking about the actual dust devil thing that happens in real life. Okay, this like, is these like are something like else. Little like semi sentient dust elementals. Yeah. Okay, because I was saying like I can't sword away or fireball. Maybe I could fireball away a dust devil, but like. Right. That's just the that's but just the does, weather. But uh, yeah, that's just <laughs> weather. Yeah. No, these are elemental monsters. Okay, they're like little shitty. Yeah, wind little shitty. Elementals. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, hidden sinkholes form in and around the dragon's lair. A sinkhole can be spotted from a safe distance with a successful DC Wisdom save uh, or check, I should say. Otherwise, the first creature to step on the thin crust covering the sinkhole must succeed on a DC 15 dexterity saving throw or fall 1d6 times 10 feet into a sinkhole. Like Pokemon? Like Team Rocket? You know how they're like the only bad guys in modern history, like anime history, to like dig ditches? What are you talking about? Like like Team Rocket's like main steez for a while was to just like dig a fucking hole and cover oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, God, like you're I just about dealing that, yeah. with like Well, no, these are just traps. natural sinkholes that are just forming yeah, in the sand. Yeah, it's just doing it. Yeah, it's just doing it. It works yeah. like a pit trap because you oh, can't yeah, see Oh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's just a bunch of pit traps everywhere. That's, yeah. anno- that's, that's so very annoying. That's very annoying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, you take like fall damage? Yeah, that- 1d6 times 10. So you take a, and you take a d6 worth of damage per 10 feet you fall. Does it say, did, did you, sorry, did you already tell me how deep these things were? Uh, each sinkhole is 1d6 times 10, so it's random. Oh, so if you roll okay. a d6, you. it's like you roll for it, it's a 40 foot drop. That's 46. Oh, man. Yeah, that's going to hurt. <laughs> oh, man. Ouch, dude. That really sucks. Yeah. Then you so, got to get out of there. Indeed. Yeah. And then you got to crawl out. That's got to suck. Um, so, layer actions. So, on initiative count of 20, here, I'm just going to bring this closer to my eyeballs because my uh, contacts are not being friendly today. On initiative count of 20, um, the dragon takes a layer action to cause one of the following effects. The dragon can't use the same effect two rounds in a row. So again, if you're attacking a dragon in this layer, bad things are going to happen because right. the very environment is going to start attacking you. Not using stuff two times in a row is like the only limitation they ever put on this thing. Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. Plus, it's like uh, meaningless almost to, to even, I get like, so you don't like spam. So you don't spam, yeah, because yeah, spamming could be a serious problem with some of these effects. So the first effect is part of the ceiling collapses above one creature that the dragon sees within 120 feet of it. The creature must succeed on a DC 15 deck save or take 3d6 bludgeoning damage and be knocked prone and buried. Oh, oh God. wow. The buried target is restrained and unable to breathe or stand up. A creature can take an action to make a DC 10 strength check, ending the buried state on a success. <laughs> I must end the buried yeah, state. Yeah, that's rough. That's a rough one because that's going to be your turn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if you don't yeah. 
if you don't pass that check, like you're stuck another turn. Yeah, sorry, wizard. Yeah, I exactly. Guess you're just gonna be shit in this fucking pile of rock until some the barbarian comes and digs you right. out or whatever. I really like that layer action. That's a lot of fun. That's I mean, you're burning cool. not just you're you could potentially be burning multiple characters' turns. Yeah, and doing damage at the same time. Burning turns is so good. It is. Um, the second uh, choosable action is a cloud of sand swirls about in a 20-foot radius sphere centered on a point the dragon can see within 120 feet of it. The cloud spreads around corners. Each creature in the cloud must succeed on a DC 15 constitution saving throw or be blinded for a minute. A creature creature can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on itself on a success. Oh, man. And then the last action it could take, lightning arcs forming a five-foot wide line between two of the layer's solid surfaces that the dragon can see. They must be within 120 feet of the dragon and 120 feet of each other. Each creature in that line must succeed on a DC 15 dexterity save or take 3D6 lightning damage. So it's just like a little mini breath it can do once around. I mean, that's fucking dope. Yeah, because, yeah, it's, it's just a line. It's a 120 foot extra. line. These yeah. are just extras. That's really powerful, actually. It kind of reminded me of Witch Bolt a little bit. Kind of, yeah. Except for uh, Witch Bolt, does Witch Bolt form a line? Uh, it forms like an arc of some sort. Okay, yeah, yeah but I think it's single target. This is yeah. like a yeah. straight no, yeah, line this is going through effect. multiple people. It is well, ideally, yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the blue dragon stats. So I pulled Can up. We? Yeah, we're about to. So I pulled up the ancient blue dragon uh, stats, and it's a challenge rating of twenty three. I think that's only one under a red dragon. Yeah. So very that sounds right. Very close in power. We're looking at a 29 strength, a 27 constitution, an 18 intelligence, a 17 wisdom, and a 21 charisma. Strong. Yeah. It's, the only thing it's not is dexterous with a 10. <laughs> wonder why that is. Uh, I think because blues are a little bit like bulkier. Like yeah. I think in the sky, they're way more dexterous because of their wings. But on ground, I think they're they're a lot like, like Komodo dragons. Yeah, I would say so. Um, immune to lightning. Uh, they have dark vision. They have blind sight. Um they have the legendary resistance that all these dragons have, which is basically three times a day. If a dragon fails the same throw, it can just choose to succeed instead. Its bite is a whopping 2d10 plus 9 piercing damage plus 2d10 lightning damage. So oh. their bite is like tinge. It's like Thunderfang. Yeah, there from we Pokemon. Go. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, their claw is 2d6 plus 9 slashing damage. Their tail is 2d8 plus 9 bludgeoning damage. Um, they have frightful presence. Again, this is something all all dragons have. Which is basically a dragon can choose a creature, each creature within 120 feet of it. Uh, and then th- those creatures have to make a wisdom saving throw to not be frightened. Oh, man. Um, it's lightning breath, which recharges on a D6, 5 or 6. Um, is a 120-foot line, 10 feet wide. Wow, 10 feet wide, not 5 feet wide. Each creature in that line must make a DC 23 deck save or take 16d10 lightning damage. That's excessive. <laughs> well, I mean, it's an ancient blue dragon. I mean, the breath attacks are always so potent with these right. guys. They, Every they really one. are. And then uh, it also has legendary actions, which we've gone over a few times. Um, I think all dragons have the same legendary actions. Um, they can detect... By using a wisdom check, which I don't think any dragon is going to do. It can make an extra tail attack, or it can do a wing attack uh, where the dragon beats its wings, and each creature within 15 feet of the dragon must succeed on a DC 24 dex saving throw, or take 2d6 plus 9 bludgeoning damage and be knocked prone. Yeah. And then the dragon can fly up to half its flying speed. I made you fall over and you got a boo-boo. Indeed. And I flew away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm gone. So yeah, that's the blue dragon, Brian. You got any questions about the blue dragon? It's so it's so meaty. Like, it's very meaty boy, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Okay, like, um, how are you using it in campaign? 
Like where you I like to use blue dragons as so okay, you know how you have you have protagonists and you have antagonists? Yes. Um there's I think it's called the Deuteronomist. It basically it's like this neutral entity that's like a centerpiece of the story. Okay. A catwoman would be a Deuteronomist. I don't know if I'm saying the word right. A, neutral, a neutral party though. A neutral party that can both work with the protagonist and work against the protagonist depending on the situation. Nice. That's usually how I like to use blues. I like to use blues in a way where like the players will be forced into like a common you, alliance. You scratch my back, I scratch exactly. yours. But then the blue might do something that's really detrimental to them too. And you never know what you're getting with the blue because it really walks that line between lawful neutral and uh, lawful evil. Cool. Okay. So you're not really using it like... I don't um, usually use them as like my villains. Okay. Um, that's probably your boss fight. Like it could be I a could, boss fight, but, not, boss fight, that's but not, not your BBEG. Exactly. Um, and that's just because I'm biased and I like blue, so I want the blue to not be the bad guy. <laughs> okay, you want to you want to play you want to play with your with your toys. Exactly. I want to play with my toys. So yeah. that's usually how I use blue dragons. But a blue dragon can definitely make a great villain, uh, especially one looking to like establish maybe a draconic empire with mm. itself at the head. Nice. Which is something uh, Blue would probably want to do, uh, a particularly ambitious one, because, again, they're very lawful, so they're they're going to want this organized society. There's this element rule. of lethargy about them, though, right? Yeah, definitely. They lack the ambition that Greens have. But, like, a Green is way more likely to do exactly what I just said with the whole empire than a, than yeah. a Blue. Because they, yeah. they really do, they remind me of silver Silvers and their, like, mentalities, except they don't have that drive. Right. Like, like the way I picture silvers, like. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, silvers um, Silvers are very kind. I think that's their, their biggest um, personality trait. Yeah. Blues aren't kind, but they're not cruel either, which I think just the the contrast between their lack of cruelty and the like the strong cruelty of all the other chromatics almost makes them seem kind. Uh, yeah. It's just so in, drastically different. In, yeah. In comparison. Um, not cruel doesn't mean that you're not mean or whatever. E- exactly. And that's something that needs to be remembered. These are evil creatures. You yeah. Know, I like to try and play up the lawful neutral bit, but I think canonically they're mostly still very It's a little evil. scary because like dealing with them in like a social way, mm-hmm. it's like dealing with like, if you're going to be talking to like a devil, mm-hmm. like, there's something there like a devil's going to like in a lot of scenarios, they're going to be like, no, I'm your best friend. Like, let me right, help you. Right. Let me help. You. I can get you what you want. Right. Like, I think blues are actually less devil like because they're not going to be they're not going to approach it from that point of view. Again, they're very arrogant. They're going to lord over you. But they are they are also reasonable and you can deal with them. Well, in, in a situation. Yeah. In a situation where you have like two powerful entities like the party mm-hmm. and then this creature, mm-hmm, I can mm-hmm. see them striking a deal right but you know it's good they're gonna monkey's pie you oh yeah they'll probably try yeah, yeah absolutely flip the switch on you at exactly some point. they'll be true to their word but their word will be worded in such a way that it's dangerous yeah sign yeah. here please indeed <laughs> <laughs> well with that being said i think we can get ready for a long rest let's uh, uh let's get ready to go to bed indeed and before we do that i just want to push one more time our uh our live play here on the youtube channel right. and also now a podcast on soundcloud yeah uh, super quest saga if you guys are interested in us here at the dungeon cast actually playing the game dungeons and dragons you should probably check out our podcast super quest saga yeah do you like sci-fi stuff and not dungeons and dragons it's weird that you're listening to this show come watch super <laughs> quest saga it's that i guess that's true i think someone who w- isn't a fantasy fan but is a sci-fi fan might like the sh- might, might like the i podcast. think they would yeah th- they would just get used to the how fantasy tabletop elements. games work i guess right. like the, that's true I, yes i use fate dice i mean but 
there are a lot of like fantasy uh, elements. I, I would say the show is less sci-fi and more just future fantasy. Future fantasy. Future science fantasy. Yeah, that. It's science fantasy. Sci- there we go. Maybe, I mean, that's, maybe that, it's yeah. sci-fi, like science, fi- science fiction yeah, fantasy. Yeah, it's, it's somewhere in that family. <laughs> uh, take all the things you said, put them in a blender, um, get, get the player's handbook out, throw that in there too. Indeed. But yeah, so go <laughs> check it out. We'd really appreciate it. And with that being said, I think we can call it a game. Let's call it a game. We'll talk to you guys later. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.